Welcome to the Florida Keys Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, April Struess, and today we are going to discuss building your dream home in the Florida Keys. When it comes to building a home in the Florida Keys, it is important to understand the Keys building process and guidelines. Lucky for us, we have our guest today is Don Horton with Island Construction Management, who is going to guide us on the process of building a home in the Keys. Welcome, Don. Well, thanks, April. Nice to be here with you. Thanks for joining us. So, Don, tell us about yourself and your company. Well, so actually, April, I have two companies. I have Island Construction Management, which is my consulting company. We do construction management and we do permitting and permit expediting. And I do a lot of expert witness uh, testimony related to building codes and codes down here in the Keys. And then I've got the Horton Construction, which is my construction company. And we've got about seven guys that work with us. And my daughter, Amy, runs the office. And um, we are currently building six new homes in uh, uh, between Isla Mirada and Key Largo and are doing uh, three renovation jobs, too. That's great. So that's great because not only do you build homes that you can also, if anyone has any issues or with code violations or so forth, you also have that consulting side of it as well, which is a big help. Just so you know, my I, I actually retired from government work. I was the uh, the county's building official and the city of Isla Mirada's building official uh, before starting my uh, consulting and construction company back uh, after about uh, 16 years with both Monroe County and with the city of Isla Mirada. Which is also great because then you're really familiar with the codes and the permit process of everything. Um, so, Don, so I get a lot of buyers who call me looking for a vacant lot because they want to build their dream home in the Keys. Um, so let's start with lots. What is, now I know obviously down here we're a little different than the rest of the country. How does our lots work down here? I know we have our tier system. Um, can you kind of explain what that is and what is a buildable, non-buildable lot here in the Keys? Well, so April, uh, there's a difference between building in the city of Isla Mirada, which is an incorporated area in Monroe County, and unincorporated Monroe County. Um, unincorporated Monroe County actually does have the tier system. The tier system is a uh, is is just a, a method of determining the environmental sensitivity of of a particular piece of property. Uh, so a tier three piece of property is normally what we call a scarified or a disturbed piece of property, and a tier one piece of property is a piece of property that has uh, a lot of vegetation, not a lot of vegetation, a lot of natural native vegetation, which in many instances is protected. So if somebody wanted to build a house, you know, as, as quickly as possible in Monroe County, where they'd be looking for a tier three piece of property. And I think that would be important to ask their realtor, you know, what, what tier system is, uh, you know, what tier is this property in? Okay. And you mentioned something though. So Monroe County obviously has a tier system and the villages, city of Marathon, do they have a whole nother system or is it, uh, how does their system work? Well, so yeah, in uh, the city of Isla Mirada and in certain areas in the uh, incorporated area of Marathon, uh, they have, uh, um, they, they don't have the tier system. They require you to hire a biologist and the biologist would go on any particular piece of property and make a determination whether the property is disturbed, disturbed with hammock, 
or disturbed with uh, uh, or or hammock property. There's also a lot of other environmental categories like wetland or or um, you know other areas that would need to be conserved as well. So finding out uh, you know what is on any individual piece of property, whether it's in the county or in uh, the incorporated areas of Marathon or Isla Mirada is really important as you get started down the road of wanting to buy a lot and then building a house. Got it. No, that's that's good to know. So you mentioned the word hammock. Um, now, a lot of people who aren't from the Keys might not understand what the a hammock is or why that's important along with, you know, conservation easement. What? So when you say hammock, what are you referring to? So that's a great question. A, a hammock is a piece of property that's dominated by native vegetation. Um, native, we've got a lot of native trees down here that are protected. A lot of them are federally protected. A lot of them are protected in the state. And a lot of them are considered threatened or endangered species here in Monroe County. So when you've got a lot that's full of uh, native vegetation, those properties are likely called hammock lots. And then you mentioned something about conservation easements, and that's what happens. If if um, if you've got a lot that's deemed as a hammock, then the county and, and the village requires you to put those uh, those areas that you do not clear into conservation easements. And those are those are easements that run on the property where you can't do any further clearing and they run in perpetuity with the land. You're really not supposed to uh, go in there and disturb it any further, even if it's on your 60 by 110 foot lot. So let's say that you have a, a, a property that's disturbed with hammock or hammock, then you're only allowed to clear a certain percentage of that property. Uh, most instances, it's about 50%. And so if you've got a 6,600-square-foot 6, lot, you can only clear 3,300 square feet. And really, the Monroe County has a regulation that it doesn't matter how big your property is. It could be a 10-acre piece of property. On some of these high-quality hammocks, you can't clear any more than 7,500 square feet. But once you're through disturbing or clearing that 7,500 square feet, which includes a construction impact zone of five feet beyond where the actual footprint of the, the proposed house is, uh, then that's all you can clear on that piece of property. So it really is important to do your homework and, and rely on a, your professional realtor to uh, help you understand what piece of property you're looking at and how important it is to determine if there's hammock or not. That was really good information because I know you'll get some, I'll get sometimes a call to say, yeah, I'm going to go and I'll just, you know, wipe the trees away. And I'm like, oh, you, you can't just do that. <laughs> so if someone comes and they, I don't care, I'm going to go just, I'm going to clear the lots. Um, I'm assuming there's a huge fine. How um, can, you know, they can clear a certain part, but if they want to clear all of it, they can't obviously. And how, like really what can happen if they decide, if they do that? Oh, April, there are so many pieces of property in Monroe County that people have cleared without a permit. And when they got caught, they actually have to go in. So many people have had to pay enormous fines. Uh, other people have had to plant 
uh, re or transplant their property. And oftentimes, depending on the size of the, the vegetation that's on the property, you could have to go buy, you know, $100,000 or more in, in plants j just to be able to do mitigation planting on a, on a piece of property. So uh, we, it's one of those things that we need to just respect our environment. Right. We need to respect the codes that, that we live in and, um, and, and just be a, you know, a, a smart buyer. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, there's a reason why these are in place, because um, we want to keep the keys what the keys are and not strip them bare, you know, just take down all the trees and it wouldn't remain the keys. Um, so another, so moving on from hammock. So say I have a buyer, they want to buy a canal lot. Or they want to be on the water, but they have all these mangroves on the canal. Uh, so it kind of interferes with them building their dock. Can they remove those mangroves or is there a certain percentage they can remove? When we permit work on the water, whether it's a dock in a canal or it's a dock on, on the open water, all of our permitting has to first go to the Army Corps and the Department of Environmental Protection. And then it goes to um, either the county or, um, uh, or to the village of Alamada. So you, you, you're, you're, you start off with your application of, of, of can I build this dock on this piece of property and get uh, approvals through the Army Corps of Engineers, which is a federal agency, and then the Department of Environmental Protection, which is a state agency? When you apply to, to the Army Corps of Engineers, there's actually about another 15 governmental entities involve your application. And the reason for that is because, uh, the, again, the importance of our environment. You can clear a, a certain percentage on a canal of, of your mangroves. You can clear a certain percentage of open water. Uh, you can also build what, what we call marginal docks or pile-supported wood docks. And with a pile-supported wood dock, um, sometimes you just need to uh, pop out a little four-foot area and, um, and clear that area and then bring your dock in a teak configuration out on the waterward side of, of, of those mangroves. So you can leave the mangroves. Depending on the size of the mangroves, you can prune them, you can hedge them. And oftentimes a lot of people will do that. Uh, and it, it makes a nice buffer between a, a canal system in your backyard. So there's options. It's just knowing what options works best for that lot. Um, is really, yeah, okay. So we we got the lot. We we found a buildable lot. Um, the buyer's happy with the lot. Now it's time to actually start the permit process. So once again, uh, permit process may be a little different than what other people are used to in different parts of the country. So we have a process called Rogo. What what is Rogo? How does that work? What is it? It is unique to the Keys. Uh, Rogo stands for Rate of Growth Ordinance, and then of course. I, I guess every city has to be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So in the city of Alamrata, it's called uh, the B-Pass or the Building Permit Allocation System. Um, both of those are competitive in nature. Monroe County only issues a certain number of single family residential units per quarter. And the same in Alamrata, they only issue a certain number of residential allocations uh, per quarter. 
Uh, those quarters started January. So um, uh, you've got January and then April, and then it goes on every every uh, three months. Uh, they they actually score your application. And in the city of Alamorada, it's usually the top six that score that would then get an allocation. But once you're granted an allocation in both the county and the city, uh, then um, uh, then shortly after you're issued a building permit uh, to build your single family house. Both of those, as I said, are competitive in nature. So the person who gets in first and the person who scores the highest points is higher on the ranking is that that then gets a building permit. Um, there's several different methods in order to, uh, to get the scoring. Uh, for instance, in, in Monroe County, uh, you get um, uh, extra points. If, if you're outside of like areas of Big Pine Key and No Name Key and those, you can get uh, 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 points for uh, being in uh, a tier three uh, uh, additional points for being in a tier three. And we talked about the tier three being a disturbed piece of property. So a tier three piece of property actually gets 30 points in Monroe County. If you're in a, a tier one, then you get, uh, um, you only get 10 points. Uh, you get for being in a uh, points for being in a platted subdivision with water, sewer and paved roads available. And, and then you get uh, additional points well, in, in the city of Alamrata, for conservation savings uh, items on your house, uh, like high efficiency air conditioning um, and uh, putting in uh, solar panels, uh, putting in a cistern to save on uh, water reuse or, you know, for sprinkling your yard and things like that. Um, there's, um, there's a lot of points that are assigned for land dedication uh, in the county. And there are some points for land dedication in Alamrata as well. Sounds silly, but you can actually buy a, a, a piece of property and depending on how buildable that piece of property is, you get additional points, it's oftentimes as many as 10 points, um, just for buying a piece of property and then uh, removing the development right mm. on that piece of property. In order to, um, in order to develop on your particular piece of property, um, you get negative. We're in several flood zones, so you get negative points, many negative points for being in a V zone or a velocity zone. Those are usually directly on the ocean or directly on the bay. You get negative points for um, being in what's called an A zone or an AE flood zone. Uh, those are oftentimes as we move further in the middle of, towards the middle of the island. And um, uh, those are where you get rising and falling water. The A basically stands for alluvial. It's so flood similar to what happens in the Ohio or Mississippi River Valley basins. So those obviously only usually occur on major hurricanes, um, but they still are, those that we have to, you know, build to and recognize flood zones on a piece of property. We've got a flood zone called an X flood zone, and that means that either the 100-year flood or the 500-year flood 
you wouldn't get any, you shouldn't get any flooding whatsoever. Uh, those you get positive points for because they, both the village and Monroe County want to steer development into those areas which would have the least potential impact on a piece of property. Okay, that makes sense. That was a lot of good information. It's a lot to consume. Yeah, that is a lot to consume, but it's good to kind of hear how it's drawn out. So, okay, so say you have someone, they have a tier three, they, they've they done everything they possibly can to get as many points as possible. And I know this is a very vague question, a hard question to answer. Is there a time frame they can rely on? Or does it depend on how many permits are in place? That de depends on, I'm sure there's so many factors, but is there a general like six months, a year, a year and a half? Is there a kind of time frame you can kind of, if you have someone looking to build a house that you'd kind of tell them or or not? Well, in the county, um, if, if, if all of the stars are in line and you're in an X flood zone and you're not in a hammock, you put your application in and it goes through, uh, it could be as uh, less than a year. Okay. Um, and, and I know that sounds silly. People that maybe listen to this podcast is my, my gosh, you know, I live in, North Carolina, and I can get a permit uh, for my house in a week. Right. Um, but it's, we're, you know, we're, people want to live here in a, in our paradise. And, and so there's a lot of people competing. Now in Isla Mirada, it's, um, it's even a little more difficult. Um, all of the stars aligned and all of your points in place, the perfect lot. Um, you could still very well be waiting a, a couple of years you would get a building permit um, uh, because because there are I think in Alamada something uh, in excess of 50 applicants that are already in the system and and competing for a building permit so wow. really in Alamada the, the best thing to do is to either buy a piece of property that's going to have an allocation coming out one that already has an allocation or find that perfect dream on that's already built in Isla Mirada. Right. So uh, one kind of skipping around, you mentioned something. So now can a property be ROGO exempt? And if it is, what, like, because would that be a way to kind of skip through the process? Well, no property can be ROGO exempt. There are properties that already do have a, a, a ROGO allocation. Uh, and, and so you can, you can buy that piece of property with the allocation. Uh, already issued. Um, so, so but, I think I miss, misspoke. Okay, so say, and maybe trying to say the same thing. So someone buys a property with a mobile home, they can tear down their mobile home and build their dream home. With that, do they still have to go through the whole process or no, since there's a house on it? No, no. B-Pass in Rogo is only for new development. Certainly, you can buy a piece of property and you can buy a mobile home or you can buy an older house or a small house. Uh, and uh, as long as your the, the replacement structure, you know, meets our code as far as wind load and flood zones and setbacks, you can you can certainly replace that home without having to go through either Rogo or B-Pass. And it, in, in either instance, it doesn't matter uh, if you if you buy a 1500 square foot home and want to build a 3000 square foot home. You could still do that as long as you meet, you know, the 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 setbacks and and, and uh, those other code requirements that are in a, in our uh, in our local codes. Okay. Okay. Got it. Um, 
fees, permit fees. Uh, obviously, the cost is going to change depending on the size of the house, what they build. But what are some common fees that the that the, the owner should be aware of what they're going to have to pay to get the permits? April, that's a moving target. Uh, okay. it's, it's, it's true. Uh, it, it depends on it depends on the size of the home. Uh, it depends on the amount of clearing. Okay. Uh, so there are a lot of factors that are included in building permit fees. I can tell you that they they are expensive, uh, and and permits can be in the uh, permit fees can be in the the low tens of thousands for sure. Okay. Okay. Um, moving on, you mentioned that only they issued so many permits per quarter. Now, jumping to the whole, I think now it's 2023 moratorium. What exactly, what is that? Okay. So, so many years ago, before 1986, uh, the state of Florida uh, was very concerned about uh, Monroe County's hurricane evacuation and how fast we can actually evacuate in the event of a, 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 major, a major hurricane, uh, another Hurricane Andrew or something that coming through. And they did a, a, a fairly comprehensive traffic study, and, it, and they found that given the number of trips that are, that are calculated per single family house, per hotel, trailer park, low-lying areas, RV parks, and those kind of things, that we needed to be able to evacuate all of Monroe County in a 24-hour period. So their goal is to have us evacuated uh, 72 hours before landfall of a hurricane uh, and uh, and done within 24 hours. When when they calculated all of that, they determined that we would be out of trips uh, by um, well, actually, the the first was by 2000, and then. Uh, then in 2000, they did another study and moved that to uh, 2010. Um, and then in uh, uh, 2010, they realized that they, well, they felt like they made an error and they moved it to 2023. Mm. Uh, 2023 is right around the counter. And it's the, um, the state still says that we are going to reach uh, a saturation or build out by 2023 at the rate that we were issuing permits per quarter. So Monroe County decided that they would slow that rate down. Uh, so Monroe County's build out uh, as a county, as the permitting agency, should be sometime in 2025. As far as the city of Isla Mirada, we should reach build out by June of 2023. Uh, so what does that mean? Well, it's, you Still back up to before 1986, Monroe County was declared an area of straight state critical concern uh, where the state w wanted us to be uh, cognizant of our environmental sensitivity. And um, so the state is actually uh, determines much of what Monroe County can do with all of Monroe County, including the incorporated areas. So the state mandates how many permits we can issue and the state mandates when they feel that we've reached the saturation. And uh, again, they feel like uh, Isla Mirada, 
uh, we'll reach it in 2023 and Monroe County in 2025. So there'll only be redevelopment unless the state can can go back and look at the actuaries and come up with um, another number that would be acceptable to the state to allow us to build additional housing. Wow, that's a lot of good information. So yeah, no, that that's important to know. So if you're looking to build, I say you're, I'm going to wait 10 years and build a house, you might want to reconsider that or you might not be able to at all at that time. Sure. That's right. Yeah. So we we got our permit. We're ready to build. Um, and again, I know this is a very open question, but how long does it usually take to build a, a typical home in the Keys? I know depending on weather, material, et cetera. But when you're you have a buyer, when you have a client who says, "Build my dream home," is there a timeline you give them, or what do you usually tell them? Well. We build we build predominantly concrete block and steel houses down here. Um, so there's curing times between each pour. And, you know, our, many of our homes are, are increasingly larger and larger. Um, so we uh, we have we we live on a coral reef. Uh, many areas are filled areas where they dug the canals and filled in, uh, uh, you know, a, a an undeveloped area uh, to elevate the, the the ground. So in a lot of instances, we either have to uh, drill holes into our solid rock or we uh, drive piling. And um, so uh, we, we drive the piling, we pour the ground slab and the foundation and we go up with columns so that we can get our houses elevated at or above the base flood elevation by at least a foot. And uh, then we would pour an elevated slab. And oftentimes we do that multiple times as we go up into the air. Each time requires cure time on your concrete. Uh, so I would say that the typical uh, 15, 18, 2000 square foot home that's one or two levels is normally a, a 12 month process. Uh, they can certainly expand from there. We're building a Right now, uh, almost 7,000 square foot home down in Lower Matacombe. And that house is projected to be an 18-month house. Okay. So about 12-month average, depending. Um, now, you mentioned something about building above the flood zone. So say say I bought a lot and the elevation certificate says the flood zone is AE8. Can they build at 8? Or does it have to be at 9? How, how does that work? So you get additional points for building above the base flood elevation, and we are required by our Florida building code to build at least a foot above the base flood elevation. Additional foot is called design flood elevation. So we're we're required by simply by our building code to, if you're in the AEA, to have your first living floor at least at nine foot uh, mean sea level. Okay. Okay. Um. So that's another cost. Obviously, the prospective owner should consider. Another thing is, like, you know, I hear people like, well, how much does it cost to build in the Keys? Obviously, it's a little, probably more than other places. But what makes it more expensive than other parts of the country to build in the Keys? Is it our materials? Is it what we have to do? Is it our codes? What 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 are your thoughts? So it, it it's a combination of all of that, April. It um, certainly we. We live on an, uh, an island where, you know, we're basically 70 miles from downtown Miami. 
Um, and um, so all of our materials comes from the mainland. And um, that's where all of our resources are. So everything is truck, trucked down or shipped down uh, right. to us. And uh, uh, so our, our material costs are higher. Our concrete costs are higher. And quite honestly, our, because of where we live, our labor costs are higher. A lot of our labor drives down from the mainland. Uh, so a lot of them have a, an hour drive. I've got uh, three of my guys that work for me drive from the mainland, and, uh, and, and they each have an hour drive, an hour commute before they get down uh, to the job site. Of course, the expense of gas and all of that uh, drives up the cost of our labor. Um, so it's a combination of materials. It's a combination of labor that drives our cost up. Although I would say, I, I don't know if it's good or bad, but right now we're probably competitive with places like uh, California. I was talking to a, a client of mine the other day and he asked me the same question is, well, Don, what's it cost, you know, just roughly ballpark per square foot to build a house? Um, that probably the, the typical house down here right now starts around $400 a square foot. And he was impressed because <laughs> in California, it's a, it starts off at a minimum of $500 a square foot, but certainly it can go up. And, and I've built homes that are very custom homes and very high end uh, uh, for well over seven, $800 a square foot. Right. Well, I think it comes down to, yes, I mean, we're in the Keys and it's an island and it's a beautiful place. Our waterways are gorgeous. And if you want to live here, you you will have to pay for it. Um, but once you're here, there's really no place like it. Um, so I think it comes down to that. But I think I really appreciate you talking to us today. That was such great information um, about lots, about building in the Keys, about the whole permit process. Um, I think that answered a lot of questions. And you answered a lot of questions I get quite a bit. Um, so that was very helpful. I appreciate that, Don. Is there anything else that you think of that we missed out on or that you should mention about if someone is considering building in the Keys? Um, no, I think uh, I think that touches upon it, April. I think that it's important for people to realize, like you said, that they're they're moving, you know, they're thinking, they're contemplating about uh, a building in, in our paradise. And we've got to... Uh, um, we do have some strict regulations, and uh, but certainly everybody comes here because of how beautiful our area is and our waters are. And without those strict regulations, uh, a lot of those gorgeous and beautiful factors that we have down here would be depleted. So uh, I, I think they've, through the years, found the, the, the balance between man and, and our environment and um, and as long as we all come down here and 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 build the way we're supposed to build and respect our environment and our communities, uh, I think we'll all get along fine. Those are very good points, Don. Um, well, thank you for joining us, Don. If the listeners would like to reach out to you with interest in building in the Keys, how can they contact you? So, April, my uh, email address is Don at ICM, that's the initials for Island Construction Management, dot build. So it's not .com, it's .build, like we're going to build a house. My uh, cell phone number is uh, area code 305-522-2062. And my office number is area code 
1-800-926-9607. Perfect. Well, thank you again. Thank you all for listening to my show, the Florida Keys Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, April Struess. If you have any questions about real estate in the Florida Keys, please feel free to reach out to me through my website at www.floridakeyssearch.com or give me a call at 305-399-6297. Have a wonderful day.